Thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. My name's George, pastor here at the church. It's Sunday morning. It's going to be a hot one today. It's already warm outside. 8.30 this morning. It's, it's pretty warm. That's okay. We got a cool building. Air conditioning's on. God has blessed us to be able to stay cool and worship him. We are so very blessed, and we need to know that. Today we're in Galatians chapter 4. Um, very interesting chapter. The Apostle Paul is uh, warning us, uh, showing us, trying to convince us um, to change our sinful ways. It's, it's, it's kind of a hard chapter to listen to, you know, like, but we're free. We're free from the law. We're free from religious movements. But we're not free to do whatever we want to do. I still have to fight against my flesh. Things that are enticing and I know are open the door to sin in my life, I have to reject. I have to pull away. I have to block myself. I am no different than you. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach us today. Sorry I missed last week. Um, we should have been in... Galatians chapter 4 um, last week, but I had a funeral to attend to, um, took us out of town, and I wasn't able to be here. But I'm here now. God bless. So glad to be back. Hang on. We're going to get started here in just a second or two with Galatians chapter 4. God bless. Well, we're in Galatians chapter 4, and it's interesting, as I was, I came down yesterday to put the PowerPoint up and to check my scriptures, make sure everything was there. And I, I seen uh, uh, Dr. Ken's notes that he had. So I thought, oh, I'm going to see what he preached last week. Thank you, Tony. And so I clicked on and thought, I'll be darned, we're almost on the same message. He's, he was talking about our freedom, our freedom that we have. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul, as you know, we're going a verse-by-verse verse study through the book of Galatians, and I can't skip it just because he preached on it last week. Um, we got to see what the Apostle Paul is really trying to tell the church. Yes, he was writing to the Galatian church that had full of problems. They had problems that we don't necessarily have. They had what was called the Judaizers that had kind of infiltrated the church, and you got to kind of, you know, I feel for them. These are people who believed in Jesus Christ, accepted him as their Lord and Savior, but they were Jews and they, they were raised up uh, doing the sacrifices and holding true to all the ceremonial uh, things that you had to do. And the problem with it wasn't they weren't just holding to their ceremony. They were saying, if you don't do this, you're not saved. And that was taking away from the cross because we know it's the cross and it's only the cross. So let me get started with my opening here. Have you ever struggled with wanting to live life that honors God, but you keep struggling with your sinful nature? Thank you for being honest. Both hands, you know, because we're human beings. And we're, we're sinful. We're saved by grace. Praise God for that. And, and you know exactly what Tony was talking about during worship. 
And I don't want that to fear anybody. Hey, you're going to hell if you haven't forgiven somebody. What you need to say is, praise God that I heard that because I'm still alive. Because if you weren't, it'd be too late. When we hear those, those profound things of the word of God, we need to adhere to them and go, yes, God, forgive me and allow, help me with my heart to start forgiving the people that have so, so grievously hurt me because we have to forgive. That's not my message, but I was just leaning off what Tony was talking about because we need not to fear. We need not to fear what the Apostle Paul gets pretty heavy in this chapter. We need not to fear. We need to take it to heart and go, okay, I need to change some things. Even Pastor George here needs to change some things. Paul is addressing this ongoing battle within us, our flesh, that is our sinful nature, and our spirit, which we know who lives in our spirit, right? I know everybody here has accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We are full of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, welcome, because you're here. You're, the building is full of him. I praise God for that. So why don't we live by the Spirit? He tells us that we have to make choices between whether our flesh or God's Spirit will reign in us. How many of you are, will agree with me that that's not only a daily battle, but sometimes a minute-by-minute, minute, a minute-by-minute minute battle? Why? Well, because the input we live in a lost and dying world and there's input that's coming at us in all the directions that'll instill fear, it'll instill anxiety, it'll instill anger, which we, we have no reason to feel any of those things because God has got us, but we still live in a lost and dying world. So we're going to experience those things. Now, since being a good person or doing the work no longer saves us. Everybody understand what I'm saying? We're not saved by works. We're saved by what Jesus Christ has done. So since being a good person and doing good work no longer saves us, we're free. We're absolutely free. And I'm sure that must have been what Pastor Ken was talking about last week, is that we're free. We're free from the rules and regulations and religious regulations of a religious system religion man's attempt to cross over to god that's what religion is religion is man's attempt to reach god we're not i'm not a religious person if you call me religious because i come here every sunday okay i'll accept that a religious person does something righteously religiously every every sunday he does the same thing okay then i'm religious in that respect but I'm not a religious man, I'm a man that's in relationship. That's religion is man's attempt. And then we have the law, which was God's tutor. We've learned that the law was put into effect to show us what sin was, to show us that we have a sin nature, to show us that we need a savior. I don't know about you, but I need a savior. So we're free from this religious legal system with a God that loves us and we're in a loving relationship with Jesus. But we're only free through faith in Jesus, amen? We have to believe in that. I want you to look at Galatians 5, 1. Go to the next slide. 
There you go. Now you should be able to just click away as I go. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's the first part of next week. That's chapter five. But I want you to really look at it because it, it so pertains to today also. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of your drug addiction, your sin, your pornography, all the bad things that you were, you and I were, we were all sinners. When I was a sinner, I did it well. I did it well, and I'm not proud of it. But I am free from the slavery of those things. But there are a few points that we have to be cautioned concerning the freedom. Go to the next slide. First, you can fall back into legalism. Well, I thought you said, Pastor, that we don't have Judaizers bothering us today. Well, we don't necessarily. But there are churches who profess that if you're not baptized in water, you're not saved. There are churches who profess if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Those are all legalistic views. We, they're adding to the cross of Jesus Christ, and that's not true. All we need is Jesus Christ, what he did, what he paid for on the cross. That's all we need for salvation. Everything else we do should be in response to what he has already done. That's why we're going to have a baptismal service here not too far in the future. And that's why we do that. Because we're responding to what Jesus Christ has already done. It has nothing to do with getting us to heaven. I could splash a cup of water on you and call it good. Yeah, and it would be just the same thing. It's, it's, we're acknowledging to the outside world, hey, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm believing. That's why we get baptized. We're saying to the world what has already happened to us on the inside. But it doesn't save you. Only the cross does. Because we have continued ourselves to think that we're accepted, promoted, respected, and honored from our hard work. We're fooled into believing the same thing, the type of thinking, when we approach God. Let me say it like this and hope that you understand. I will receive no points or awards for being your pastor. This, I, I'm not a special person. I'm not a super Christian. Um, I, I'm not going to receive anything other than the Bible tells me that I'm going to be held to a higher accountability because I'm teaching you. And if I fall back into my sinful nature, it's going to cost me a little more than it may you. That's why God cautions us to go into ministry because we have to be so careful of how we live our life. But the good works that I do, I receive no points, no awards. My salvation is through my faith in Jesus, what he has already done. Not anything I've done in my life. And here's the good part, the good or the bad. All the bad that I've lived in my life, it's gone. I don't have to worry about it. It's not held. It's not accredited on my account. It's gone. And the same thing with my good works. It doesn't account for anything other than my response to what Jesus Christ has done. That's why we're here. Anything I do 
that's good. It's in response to what Jesus has already done for me. Can I get an amen? amen. You guys are so quiet. I know it's sleepy. It's warm outside. I'm go to sleep. I want to go to sleep too. I want you to look at this scripture, Ephesians 1, 6. Ephesians 1, 6, the Apostle Paul said, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In the beloved, it's a capital B. If you see it in your Bibles, it's a capital B. He's referring to God. Just another name for God. We're accepted by God. We're accepted into God. According to this, it's not about According to this, it's all about what the Lord has done and not anything about what we have done to make us accepted in the beloved. Just think of it. We're accepted in Jesus Christ because of what he has done, not by our human effort or good works, because you cannot improve upon the cross. It is finished. That's what Jesus said at the cross. It is finished. We cannot improve on it. We can't add anything to it. I'm not going to get any special part in heaven if I cause myself to suffer for the sake of the cross. If I do anything of that type, like say I'm fasting, I'm suffering, you don't know that I'm fasting. And number two, I'm doing it in response to what Jesus has done for me. Not that it makes me any better or any more acceptable or any more holy. Then there's a second caution that we have. The second caution is that you can fall back into sin. You can, Christian, brother and sister, you can. And we have to be very careful. You're free from taking advantage, your freedom, by taking advantage of freedom to the extreme. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote Galatians 5.13. Read this. Galatians 5.13, there you go, says... For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Do you realize that? Each one of you have been called to liberty. You've been called to liberty. Only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love and serve one another. We got to be careful because I am free and I have such liberty. It's okay for me to drink beer. It's okay for me to drink hard alcohol. It's okay for me. The Apostle Paul tells us that it's okay. I'll show you that here in just a second. In fact, go to the next scripture. Next slide. Next slide, Jack, is 1 Corinthians 6, 12. says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Can I get an amen? amen. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So you ask, well, pastor, are you telling me you drink alcohol? I am not afraid to have a beer with somebody on a hot summer day. But I have boundaries. Boundaries, which first of all, I probably would turn it down. I haven't had a beer in a long, long, long time. But second of all, if I have one, I begin to weaken. Can I get an amen? amen. I begin to weaken myself. Because all of a sudden, it changes the chemistry in my brain. And I think, oh, that was really good. I can have two. And then pretty soon, the Satan has a way of working things 
your thinking begins to change just slightly. Pretty soon your vocabulary begins to change just slightly because you've allowed in what you already know that you've closed the door to. Paul cautions Christians to be careful that whatever, to never confuse liberty as a license to sin. Yes, it's true, we're free. We're free to choose and we're free to do whatever we wanna do, but be very careful of the things you're choosing to do. Think about it, about what the cost is of what potentially it could cause you to think. We're not free to do whatever our flesh wants. We need to control our flesh. God knows we need help, which is why he has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to govern us. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help to govern you. Pay attention when you get that knot in your stomach going, I shouldn't be watching this on TV. Turn the channel, switch it off, go somewhere else. Because everything that's come across is input. It's input. It's doing something to it. It's changing the way we think. The Holy Spirit is here to govern us over our sinful nature. And in these closing chapters of Galatians, Paul spends a lot of time contrasting our sinful nature, which is our flesh, with the Spirit of God who is within us. So let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Are you guys ready? As soon as Jack's ready. Click, Jack. Click. There you go. That a boy. Okay. Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he is master of all. You, you open up the book and you you're hit that right between the eyes, you go, what? It's pretty easy to understand. When you're a child, you're the heir of all that your parents has. You just are. But your parents aren't gonna give you that new Cadillac to drive around when you're six years old. You would wreck the car. You'd turn it into a big sandbox, cut the top off and fill it full of sand. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become an heir to the throne. It's ours. But we're a child, and we're still subject to learning and growing into our faith. That's our part, to learn and to grow into our faith. We have to be very careful with what we're doing. Verse 2, but it is under guardians... But he is, it's what he's referring to, this error they talked about in verse 1, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Now he's really speaking spiritually here. He's referring to having to live under the law and the fullness of time when Jesus Christ had come. I'll, I'll show you that here in just a minute. Even so, verse 3, when we were children, we were under bondage of the elements of the world. We're all under bondage of the elements of the world, and we have the ability to choose, to choose what is right and what is wrong. And actually, I don't even like to use the term wrong. It's, it's what's good for the spirit or good for the flesh. That's what I would prefer to say. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't consider anything, I don't condemn anybody that's doing anything that I consider to be wrong. I just don't do it in my flesh. 
Verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, he's talking about Jesus here, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse five, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Now that's what we need to say, praise God. He gave us his son that we can be adopted into his family. And it came at the fullness of time. Isn't that kind of interesting? I love that scripture when he says the fullness of time. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if Jesus was, if he didn't do it when he did? If Jesus had came, say, now? Now just think about it. Billions of more people would have saw the resurrection, right? And we would have killed him anyway, I assure you. I'm sure you we would have. But God had the fullness of time in his time schedule, in his place, where he could maneuver and walk in this world to teach us the things that we need to be taught. I don't think our world today would accept it. <clears throat> Verse 5, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father. I'm so, I'm so blessed. Abba Father is uh, it basically is saying daddy. It's, it's a very personal calling Abba Father. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. And we're crying out, daddy, I need you. And that's what we need to be doing when we find ourselves in those situations where, you know, my thinking just isn't right. I'm thinking about something I shouldn't be thinking about. I cry, Abba, Father, come be with me. And he's never left me. He's never forsook me. He's always been there. Verse seven, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And that's what a son would do is cry out, Abba, Father, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a tribulation. You're not a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. So as long as this, what he's describing here, as long as this was a child, he does not differ from a slave, even though he's master of all. You kind of understand that? He doesn't, <clears throat> the child, you, you picture in, maybe in, in ancient times, Roman times, a very wealthy Roman citizen, the child of that Roman citizen, everything was his, everything. But did he just give him control? The slave had more freedom than that child. They wouldn't let the child go out and play. They wouldn't let him go out and run in the streets. They wouldn't, you know, because he's, he's the king. They would protect him. And they would wait till he was old enough to handle the wealth, to handle what he was understanding. How does that relate to us? Well, we're still, as a child, children, we're still learning and growing and developing. And that's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles to grow and to become that heir of all. When the boy was just a child, he was actually has less day-to-day -day freedom and authority than the high-ranking slave of that household. Yet he is destined to inherit it all, just like you and me. So we have a lot of choices that we make in our everyday life. I feel like the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us here, then act like you're an heir. Act like you're a child of God. Act like you're a son of Christ in your everyday life. Verse eight, but then indeed, 
When you did not know God, you served those by which nature are not gods. Before we came to Christ, we were sinners. We acted like sinners. No, you guys didn't, huh? No, none of you did. We acted like sinners. What do sinners do? We sin. That's what sinners do. But now after we have known God, and I love this scripture, he says, or rather are known by God. I would rather be known by God than say, well, that guy, he knows God. No, I'd rather be known by God that I am his son. How it is that you will turn again? How is it then you will turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? I don't know if you guys have any idea what he's talking about. Think about it. You are a child of God. Rather, you are known by God. But how is it that you would turn again to be the weak and beggarly elements? You would turn again to your sexual desires. You would turn again to the addictions that you fought so hard, and I'm so proud of you for walking away from. You fought so hard. Why is it you would want to go back? Well, because the flesh is fighting you. That's why. And that's why we need one another. Men, Thursdays mean so much to me. I can't, not Thursdays, Tuesday mornings when we meet. That, that means the world to me because we get strength in there. We, we strengthen one another because we talk openly and honestly with one another. Now, Paul is making a direct statement against the Judaizers who are turning him back to the traditions of the law. You will see that in the next verse. But in the very same thing, when we turn back to sin, we are rejecting when we came to Christ. That's what we're doing. When we turn back to our sinful nature for the lustful desires that we have in our bodies, we're rejecting Christ. Verse 10. You observe days and months and seasons and years. So what's he saying? He said, you guys can watch the weather. You look out the door and you know what? You know that it's summertime. You know, you're smart enough to observe the days, the months, and the years. But he goes on in verse 11. He says, I'm afraid for you. At least I have labored for you in vain. That one set me back a little bit. I had to go, the Apostle Paul, come on. If you were here, I was talking to you. You labored for vain? He's never labored in vain when he's spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I think he was so broken by seeing that these people had turned their, their backs on the gospel, that he had taught them, that he had brought to them, when he, that they're turning their back on him, that he felt like that all his labor was in vain. That's what he was feeling like. He was feeling like, man, I, I did it all for nothing. Verse 12, brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you, and you have not injured me at all. Well, that's kind of interesting. How did the Apostle Paul come like them? Anybody have any idea? These were Gentiles, and he was teaching the Gentiles, and what he did is he sat down and he ate all the bacon that he could eat. You know, he was eating pork chops with them. 
He was he wasn't telling them no you, you know you can't we got to uphold to the Jewish tradition and you can't eat these certain things no he was doing what they were doing as far as the foods that they ate and the things that they did the way they were eating he became like them he hung out with them and they were gentiles he ate whatever they ate he didn't ask anyone to adhere to the Jewish laws or customs and he's saying it didn't hurt me at all and then he goes on in verse 13 but you know, because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. Verse 14, and my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise nor reject me, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. You got to understand the condition that the Apostle Paul was at this time. Paul was a small man in stature. Now, that bothers me because I see the Apostle Paul as like uh, six foot six, 300 pounds with a deep voice and can make thunder roll. You know, because I, I, I hold him up, that's what I see in my mind's eye. But the Apostle Paul was probably barely 5'2". He was bow-legged, he had crooked legs, his eyebrows met in the middle and he had somewhat of a hooked nose. He wasn't much to look at. It's believed the stoning at Lystra probably left him with facial injuries, potentially with his eyes. And I don't think he was easy to look at, but they accepted him and they loved him and they accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, this is the apostle talking about his affirmity. Verse seven, he says, and at least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, at least I be exalted above measure. All we do know is Paul had injuries. And he said it was given to him by Satan. That's why I tend to believe it probably was injuries from what he suffered in Lystra. They stoned him to death. At least they thought he was dead or the Lord resurrected him. We'll find out when we get to heaven. But they had stoned him. You, can you imagine what your face would look like after being stoned? It would have been a brutal, brutal thing. Verse 15, he says, what then was the blessing you enjoyed? Obviously, when he brought the gospel to this church, they were enjoying it. They were loving on him. He was loving on them. They had something real and tangible that was happening. And he says, for I bear witness to you, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. That's what the apostle Paul. So that tells me he had a problem probably with his eyes. There's theologians that say he had a, a problem with his eyes weeping, constantly weeping water from the injuries that he had on his face. So he's saying that we, we were so in love that you guys would have gave me your own eyes. That's how in love we were. Verse 16, have I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Wow. It's obvious that Paul was getting some pushback from the church, probably from the Judaizers. You know, letters are going back and forth, and he was getting some pushback. 
And he says, now, now, now I'm your enemy because, because I tell you the truth. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. I, when I first read that, I had to ask myself, I had to go back and look up that word exclude. They want to exclude you. They didn't, the Jews didn't want these Gentiles even being Jews. They wanted to exclude them. To be honest with you, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have their own Jewish church and we want to serve the Jewish God and we want to do it in the rules and regulations that we've all been taught. They didn't even want the Gentiles there. They really would rather just exclude you and yet you're zealous for them is what he's saying. He said in verse 18, but it's good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when I'm present with you. He's telling the church, I want you to be zealous for Christ and Christ alone. And that's what he's telling us today too. Don't be putting heavy burdens on people, telling them that they, you know, Baptists believe in being baptized. Hey, it is a, a requirement for membership of the church. But I want to say it has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do. And we need to be sure that people understand that. And that we preach the cross and the cross alone. That we're zealous for Christ and Christ alone. And that's what he's trying to teach this church. Verse 19 says, My little children, for whom I have labored in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So he, he brought them to, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he saw that, that bond formed in them. Verse 20, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone. You know, he, his tone is pretty rough. I, I gotta, he, he's, I'm reading it going, all right, is he mad at me? You know, because how did he know what I was thinking? <laughs> you know, how does he know the sinful thoughts or the desires of my heart? How does he know? Well, we all, we're all sinners. We all have the same thoughts. And he said, I'd like to change my tone. You know, your tone inflection is, is everything. That's why, that's why I hate texting. They texting and maybe they'll use caps. They'll go, oh, are they yelling at me? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, why are they texting me in caps? Or, or maybe they just let the cap switch on. I don't know. Or you can't hear the tone or the inflection of what they're trying to say. And that's what the Apostle Paul in his letter is saying, I wish I could just be here with you so I could tell you softly and genuinely, I love you. And you're making a big, big mistake, church. You're going the wrong way. You're allowing these, these people to come in and tell you that you have to go back to the old law. It would be like us saying, well, it's okay if we just go back to doing drugs and, and going back to doing whatever it is we wanna do. It's okay. It's not okay. We need to rescue people from that. We need to tell them and be able to tell them in love. And that's what he was trying to say. You know, even even my, my goofy little dog, I can tell her if I use the right tone, you're the stupidest little dog I've ever seen. Look at you. You are so stupid. You're fat and ugly and your tail's bald. What's the matter with your tail? And she'll be sitting there wagging her tail. 
you know, and I'm telling her all these, these horrible things because of the tone of my voice. If I were to be yelling at her, she'd be running because I, I know her. She don't like it when I yell at her. But your inflection and your tone matter. He goes on in verse 21. He says, I tell you, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? You could not keep it. And you want to be under it. The Apostle Paul was, was flabbergasted by it. Because they felt like, because each person knows their sinful nature. And if I could go out and do something good, like if I could go, you know, sacrifice a lamb and I'm, I'm free, I'm clan, didn't matter what I did last week. That's what they were thinking. Where Jesus died and paid for my sin once and for all. It's for me, it's I have to acknowledge my sin, repent from it and walk away and try to never turn back. So he goes on to try to explain a little bit of the Old Testament to him. This is kind of interesting. Verse 22, for it is interesting, it is written, sorry, that Abraham had two sons by one, one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. He's talking about Hagar and Sarah. You guys recognize that? There might be some of you that have never heard the story. I think it's uh, probably Genesis 15 somewhere. You'll hear the story of Hagar and Sarah. And what it was about is, is that Sarah was, was barren and she was getting old in her age. She couldn't have kids. And yet God had promised Abram that he would give him a child and he would be the father of many nations. And Sarah couldn't get a grip on it. So Sarah said, hey, I'm going to give you my, my bondservant. I want you to go into her and have a child so that you have that son that God has promised. And Abraham, being such an idiot, like the rest of you went, okay. <laughs> you know, she's kind of good looking. You know, it's what? But it happened because there's no different than we are. So it goes on, verse 23. But he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh. That was Ishmael. And he, he of the free woman through the promise, that was Isaac. He was the son of the promise. And it was symbolic to show you that we have the flesh and we have the spirit. That's what these two guys were all about. And the world is still dealing with Ishmael today. All the problems in the Middle East, it all comes right back to this, this problem that Abraham created. Verse 25, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is which now is and the bondage with her children. Verse 26, but Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. We're all free because we're all sons of Abraham through Isaac, through Jesus Christ, through the whole lineage. It says, verse 27, for it is written, written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. What he was telling you is basically the same thing. 
The road to heaven is narrow. And the road to destruction is wide. Many more are going to be born through Ishmael. And many more are going to be going the opposite direction. Now let's get back to Galatians. We'll finish it up. Verse 27. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, for you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than there are of a husband. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Now he's bringing us back to Jesus Christ. When so it is now. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what does the spirit say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. And the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. It's our sinful flesh that we need to cast out. It is not going to be an heir to the free woman. Verse 31, the end. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We are free, yes, free indeed. And that's what Galatians 4 is really trying to tell us. Galatians 5, it even gets a little deeper because we're going to get into the fruit of the Spirit. What it means, the fruit of the Spirit. And what it means, the lust of the flesh. He's going to give it to us in detail. He's going to put it in words. He's going to write it out. I'm looking forward to doing next week because it, it explains it clearly and precisely. So what do we need to do? We need to cry, Abba, Father. When we find ourselves in those times of alone, when we have thoughts and desires that we know are not godly, I don't know what your ungodly thoughts and desires are. But I know that we all have them. I know that we do because we're human beings. We need to learn to cry, Abba, Father, and ask for help because he is there to help. Amen. Amen. Tony, could you come back up? I know because I know all of you. We're a smaller crowd today, and I, I know you all. I think I could say everybody's name. I think. Uh, don't try me on that. And I know that you have Jesus in your heart. I know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that you are the righteousness of God. But I also know you have a sinful nature. So do I. I know that we have issues and problems that we need to cry, Abba, Father. We need to ask him to forgive us again and again and again and do our very best to repent of the things that we should not be doing. Maybe you have fallen into some type of sinful nature that you go, you know what Satan loves to do? He loves to jump on it. You've made a mistake. Maybe you had too much to drink. Maybe you decided to do something that you shouldn't have done because all your friends were doing it. And Satan will jump on that and say, I showed, told you, told you, you're not worthy. You're not any good. You're weak. 
You can't be a Christian. You cannot hold to the standards of being a Christian. Who do you think you are? And if you had the strength is when you need to face that spirit and say, I am a child of the Most High God, and he died for my sin, and he will forgive me for this sin. And wash, and you just stop and pray right then. Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Wash me again. I'll do my best to not turn back. And next week you may turn back again. I hope not. I pray not. But I struggle too. I have my own set of struggles. Everybody does. Everybody does. And we got to be careful when we fall into those things that Satan doesn't jump upon us and try to make us feel like you know, it'll knock the boundary down. You go, well, I had a boundary of, of all I'd have is two beers. And, and once he's beat up you a little bit, it's knocked that boundary down. You'll have as many beers you want. Get out, go down the road, get a DUI. And then you walk away from church going, I can't let everybody know that I got a DUI. Guess what? It was in the paper. I saw it. But you know what, church? That's when we need to jump on that man or woman and saying, hey, we're here for you. We'll give you rides wherever you got to go. But you know what we do as a church? Typically, we reject them. Ah, they sin. Look at that. They sin. Yeah, I know. Let's forgive them and let's pick them up and let's, let's help them get through this. Let's help convince them that he's not who Satan says that he is or she is. That we are the righteousness of God. Let's start treating each other like we're the righteousness of God. Not condemning one another because of their sinful nature. And men, I appreciate, you know, our men's group, we talk about a lot of things. But on the same hand, be very careful with who you talk to. If you're wanting to share your sins to somebody, come talk to me. I'm good at keeping it private. Sometimes you can't just tell everybody and all of a sudden it's all over the church. Everybody knows what your, what your issue was. Be very careful. Pick that counselor, pick that pastor, pick that partner that you can be confident that your secret is kept your secret. And that person hopefully will come alongside you and help you through those difficult times. Because that's what we're to do for one another, is help each other through the difficult times. I'm just rambling on. It's after 12. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at that clock. It looks kind of weird. It says 11, but it went back an hour. Uh, that is a weird clock. All right. I'm going to let the podcast people go.